God desires to prosper you. God desires to bless you. I always feel like I need to make some disclaimers, though. I want you to know that we're very blessed people, everyone sitting in this room right now. So be very careful that you don't think, yeah, you know, one day when I make 10 times the money. You're, you're blessed right where you're at right now. But I want you to know God wants to continue to prosper you, not for you to be greedy, not for you to be materialistic, not for you to fall in love with the world or the things of this world, because I can tell you that we're just passing through. Abraham looked forward to a city whose builder and maker was God. And so we don't want to fall just in love with this world here. You know, this we, we do have a little kingdom here on planet Earth that all of our homes and lives have, but it's a temporary one. And uh, we want to make sure everything in our little kingdom is submitted to the king of kings and to his, his kingdom. So God wants to bless us uh, for a couple reasons. The first one we looked at last week in Deuteronomy chapter 8. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, there's parallel verses because uh, some people go, oh my goodness, that, that's, uh, uh, that's, not, that's not what, what I want. It's Old Testament. Well, I want you to know this, that if you want some New Testament, uh, James chapter 1, 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 9, which we'll look at today, have some parallel concepts in it that God wants to bless his people. In Deuteronomy 8, we saw this, that God said, follow my commands, I'm going to bless you. And when you read it in Deuteronomy 8, it just seems like there's a, there's a season of time that goes by. It wasn't like this windfall that happened overnight. And he said, one day you're going to look around, everything you have is going to be increased and multiplied. You're going to eat a good meal, live in a fine home. And when that happens, here was what we were challenged to do. Thank God. Just give God praise. He said, now if you don't, you're going to think, oh, God didn't do this. I did this with my own hands. I mean, think about this. I, I get how we can say that. You, you went and worked. Say you worked 60 hours this week. and They wrote you a paycheck. You could say, I didn't see God punching that part on the assembly line. I was the one standing there. I was the one that did this. I was the one. You can say, I, I, I. But God gives us the strength to draw our next breath. And so he said, in Deuteronomy 8, he said, if you forget the Lord, you'll say, my own strength brought about this wealth. He said, but that's not true, for it's the Lord who gives you the power, the ability to produce or create wealth that I might establish my covenant on the earth that I promised to your forefathers. So the concept is this, is that God made a promise. God made a promise. With blessing, I will bless thee, and with multiplying, I will multiply thee. That's a promise from God. He, he gave that promise to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to the children of Israel. With blessing, I will bless thee. With multiplying, I will multiply thee. And the, the verse in, in Deuteronomy 8 is saying, I've given you the power to attain wealth that I might establish that promise, that I might be true to my promise, that I, I'm not a liar. I promise this. Now, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to try to persuade you to accept the concept that God wants to prosper you. One of our biggest problems is we, we can love God and I hope we do, and be passionate after God, and we can have heard negative things about being blessed and prosperous, and so we say, I'm a lover of Jesus. I certainly don't want to do anything that wouldn't please him, so we disregard it. But this was God's idea. He said, I'm the one who gave you the power to obtain wealth, that I might establish by promise that I swore to your forefathers with blessing I will bless thee, with multiplying I will multiply thee. Okay, are you with me? So this is, this is God's idea. So first of all, the first thing is he wants to keep his promise. He promised he was going to bless us. Now, you can say, well, but I'm, I'm not, you know, Jewish. This was a promise. And I get this because we should ask ourselves, who's this written to? That's a very basic question as you're studying scripture. Who's this written to? Is this something I can believe God for? You may say, I'm not Jewish. 
But let me tell you what God's word says. You with me? God's word says a Jew is not a Jew who is born one outwardly, who has had circumcision of the flesh, but who has had circumcision of the heart. And he says, if you are a believer, this is what the Bible says, if you are a believer, you are Abraham's seed. You are Abraham's seed. He makes his promise to Abraham that's mind-blowing and seemingly impossible, except it's God who made the promise. I'm going to make you, Abraham, the father of many nations. That's illogical. That is illogical. People aren't, you know, they don't start many nations. But Abraham's the father of faith, and so all who have the faith of Abraham, all those who believe God and is credited to them as righteousness, all those who become Christians are of the seed of Abraham. And so there's seed of Abraham all over planet Earth. There's, there's Asian and, and African and, and American and you know, whatever, all the different nationalities and ethnic groups are on planet Earth. There's some of them that, that are seeds of Abraham. And so this is a promise God gave to Abraham and gives to us. The other thing we saw last week, we'll see this week again, is God wants you to have prosperity. And I want to define it. Prosperity is having more than enough. Prosperity is having more than enough so that you have plenty to take care of yourself and you have plenty to take care of the kingdom of God and others around you. So that is prosperity. I'm not leaving. I'm just getting this little bottle of water here, just in case you thought. I guess he thought he was done. Um, no, you were hoping that. You were hoping. So anyway. So I, I call this the law of seed time and harvest. The law of seed time and harvest. I got the idea from the Bible because when Noah comes off the ark and his family, he makes offerings unto the Lord. <clears throat> and the Bible says there was a sweet-smelling aroma unto the Lord. And then God said, God says, as long as the earth endures or remains, there will be seed time and harvest. There will be summer and winter, cold and heat, day and night. Those things will never cease. God came up with this idea of seed time and harvest. Now, I'd say the high percentage of stuff in the spiritual world, the high percentage of stuff in the spiritual world, God connects to crop farming. Isn't that interesting? Do we have any farmers in the room? Hold your hand up high. Any farmers in the room? You guys aren't even going to admit it? Okay, okay. Farmer. We live in an agricultural community, so we, we understand the concept of farming. We understand seed time and harvest. Even Jesus said this when he's getting ready to die. Listen to what he says. He's getting ready to die. He says, unless a seed, a grain of wheat, falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it falls into the ground and dies, it produces many seed. So even salvation, he calls seed time and harvest. He says, I'm going to sow my body. I'm giving my life as a ransom for many. And because the son sowed his life, there are now many sons and daughters in the kingdom and around the world. Now, we're not saviors of the world. You know what I'm saying. We're, we're children of God. Because Jesus, even that principle, salvation, is often looked at as seed time and harvest. So, God's into this seed time and harvest. Now, it's easy to get excited about the harvest, but we also have to get excited with a deep trust and deep faith in planting or sowing the seed as well. So God's system for a harvest of prosperity is seed time. Now, it was two or three years ago, and I got an incredible testimony to tell about this. I want Darlene to tell it. 
Uh, she does it all, tell it for her. Um, but an incredible testimony about seed time and, and harvest, sowing and, and reaping. And God uses that. And I mentioned back two to three years ago when I talked about this topic that we weren't, I'm not setting you up for anything. So you all can relax. You know, it's not like there's, hey, he's getting ready to start a stewardship campaign or he's getting ready to do something or get, no, just want to teach you these principles because I want you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. So God's concept is we increase by giving. Now that makes sense agriculturally, but does not make sense if you're an accountant. You'll never go to an accountant unless they're spiritual and say, I want to give a bunch of my money away so I'll get more. They'll say, I'm sorry, that defies the law of mathematics. But see, we serve the God who created mathematics. And so, but we do understand the law of the farmer. If the farmer sows one acre, he gets a one acre return. A thousand acres, a thousand acre return. We understand this idea that you got to give up the seed first and you have to give it up in faith. You have to give it up in belief because when you plant the seed, it's not, there's no harvest yet. It takes a while for the harvest to come. Let's look at this promise in Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops, then, you, you get that? It's the if and then. The Bible's full of if and thens. Full of it. Full of if and thens. And we were raised with it. If you clean your plate, you'll get some dessert. If you do this, you'll get that. If and then. If you do this, then your barns will be filled to what? Overflowing. Overflowing. And your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, there's a, a story about this in the New Testament that I'm just going to talk about quickly. It's not really the focus of my message, but I want you to see what God doesn't want us to do. Remember the farmer who said, I've, I've sowed, my, sowed my crops and I keep having these bumper crops over and over and over and I have so much, I don't even know what to do with it. And he said, I know what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones and I'll store up all these goods and I'll say to myself, soul, you know, rest, relax, eat, drink, and be merry, for you've stored up things for yourself for many years. And the Lord says, you fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, and then who will get those things that you have stored up? So God's telling us that's not the system he wants us to work with. So what is the system he wants us to work with? We obey God's word, our barns overflow, and we say, oh my goodness, I have too much. How about I give some away? How about I share? How about I help people? Haven't you ever needed help? And you just wish somebody would come along and help? Well, how about we develop ourselves to a place where we get to be the helpers? It's, I'm telling you, because I've been on both sides of it, it's, it's wonderful when you have a need and somebody comes and helps you. I get that. I love that. It's a beautiful thing God does. But I want to say it's wonderful when you get to be the helper. When you get to say, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm no longer saying, would somebody please help? I now can help. It's a wonderful thing. The, the book of Acts says that Jesus said this, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so that's our goal, to be givers. So there's lots of things talked about in the Bible about giving. I just highlight a few things. One is, is tithing. If, if you're raised in the Bible Belt, you've heard of tithing. Tithing, first fruit offerings, offerings in general, alms. Alms giving is giving to the poor. Now all these things have different little principles that flow with them. And most of the time we're not very studious on knowing what these things are, so we mix and mash them together and we get confused about how it works. But 
just quickly, because not my main subject, is I want you to know that the, the tithe is a method of sowing seed, and offerings is above the tithe. The tithe, we'll look at that in a second, actually belongs to God. So when you give the tithe to the Lord, you're really not given anything. You're not given anything. That's his. That'd be like you going on vacation and bringing over and you say, Tracy, I'm, they're going to work on my driveway. I want to park my Lamborghini in, in your driveway and you can drive it all you want. So just let you know my driveway is always open for that. And so I'm enjoying that and you come back off your trip and vacation. They're done with the, the work at your house and, and then you know, somebody says, hey, you used to have a Lamborghini. Where did it go? I don't say, well, I, I gave it away. I gave it to my buddy. You know, you didn't, I didn't give that to my buddy. He came back and picked up that which was already his. I just got to enjoy it for a little bit. And so the tithe is holy and belongs to the Lord. So when we give that to him, it's not like, whoo, I'm like some big giver. No, I'm just giving back to God what he already gave me. But when you talk about money, it can be touchy. But I just want to say, again, uh, we're not going under. Um, you know, I, I'm so thankful for this. Every time I speak on this topic, I get to say this. I, don't, I am not coming up here like, oh, my goodness, I hope everybody gets a hold of this because I don't know how we're going to make ends meet. We're not going under. We don't have a stewardship campaign. I want to teach what the Word of God says so you and I can walk and live in prosperity so we can be blessed ourselves, bless the kingdom, bless our neighbors, bless people. That You can just have a heart to give. I was talking to a guy this week, and he said he was walking along, and, and he saw a guy get into a cab with a baby and was putting the baby in the cab, and the Lord just said, just came across my mind, give him a hundred bucks. He had a hundred dollars in his billfold. And uh, he went, okay, I mean, he's a giver, so he doesn't mind, but he does want to know it was that the Lord. So he goes over, and, and the guy's, you know, he's like stopping this cab. Well, that's a little freaky in, in our world today. And so the guy's like, yeah, I said, hey, brother, he said, I just want to, want to give you something. So the guy cracked the door open like this. and. And he just said, I just felt like Jesus wanted, wanted you to have this and gave him $100. Well, there's a, the Bible verse says uh, a gift opens a door for someone because when he gave him $100, the door came all the way open. And the guy stepped out. And uh, he said, you don't know what that means to me. And he said he gave the guy a great big hug. Now, there's unwritten rules about hugging. You know what I mean? They, they need to be a certain length. I've never timed one. But he said, the hug was over, but he wasn't done hugging. He was so blessed, and so it's like, okay, uh, <laughs> you ever been there? Okay, okay, <laughs> and uh, finally the guy let go, and that's what you want to be. You want to be a conduit for God, where you just say, I just want God to use me. That, whatever it was, was so meaningful. A stranger got out, gave an inappropriately long hug to a guy because that blessed my life. That's joyful. That's where we want to go for, and so we got these different types of giving. Full disclosure, I want you to know this, that all, not all Christians believe that tithing is for um, Christians, that that's just Old Testament law and Old Testament rules, and we don't have to operate in those things today. Quite frankly, I know this sounds weird, but when we get to the end of this, you'll say, okay, I see why he says that. I don't really want to argue with you about tithing. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says, I, but we'll get to New Testament giving, and usually when we get to New Testament giving, people want to go back under the law, because New Testament giving is where I sold a field, and I brought everything and laid it at the apostles' feet. And then people go, time out. What, what do you mean everything? Everything. Like 100%? Yeah. Well, tithing, that doesn't sound so bad. You know, all of a sudden it's like, tithing sounds pretty good. But here, I want to tell you some things about the tithe, about the law. 400 years before there was a law, 400 years before Moses lived, 400 years before 
the Jewish nation had been birthed. There was this guy named uh, Abram at the time. His name hadn't been yet changed. Abram gets in a little skirmish with uh, some people gone into Sodom and some kings, and they had, they had pillaged Sodom and took the people, and, and Abram's nephew Lot was one of those people. So he rounds up his servants, and, and he goes and fights these kings, and he wins this battle. And when he wins the battle, he meets this guy named Melchizedek, who's the king of Salem, a priest of the Most High God. And he blesses Abram. And Abram, that's very interesting to me, very interesting. Abram, 400 years before there was a law, 400 years before there was a Moses, a Jewish nation, he gave Melchizedek a tithe. I always found that odd that he just intuitively, instinctively gave him a tithe of everything. Not just of crops or cattle, but of everything. And it's fascinating to me because why, I always think, why wasn't it 15% or 5% or whatever? But intuitively, he gives him 10%. And the story is really cool, too, because the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah come to, um, to Abram and say, hey, you can have all the plunder, just give us back the people. And he says, no. He said, I swear before the Lord my God, the creator of heaven and earth, that I will not accept a single thread from you. I will not accept a strap from a sandal from you. You'll never be able to say, we made Abram rich. You will know that the Lord made me rich. Now think about that, because we're always looking for somebody to help make us rich. You know what I mean? Like, maybe that's the person that's going to give me a bunch of stuff. Hey, just know this. God is able. God is able. Abraham was very wealthy. Then his, his, his uh, grandson, Jacob, is on this quest and on this journey, and he goes to a place and, and he falls asleep. He uses a rock as a pillow. He has this divine vision from God. He wakes up in the morning and says, surely the Lord is in this place. God tells him, I'm going to lead you and guide you. He says, if you'll lead me and guide me and let me be successful on this journey and get back safely to my fathers, he said, I'll give you, interesting, guess what? I'll give you a tenth of everything that I get. I, I, I too find that odd that Maybe Saul Abraham do that. I don't know, but it's just odd that intuitively he gives a tenth. I, I find that interesting. And it was of everything. Now, I've had people tell me over the years, tithing's just crops and livestock. That's not true. Abram gave of everything. Jacob gave of everything. Uh, Jericho was a first fruit tithe to the Lord. And he said, everything, all the gold, silver, bronze, and iron, God said, you're not to take any of it. All of it's to go into the treasury of the Lord's house. That's what the Bible says the treasury of the Lord's house. And so it wasn't just crops and livestock, but everything. That was a first fruit offering as they moved into the promised land. That was their first victorious battle was, was Jericho. I read one time about the tithing hoax. Now, maybe you're saying, okay, it's enough, but let me get through this one. It was the idea, wow, we're trying to convince all these Christians to tithe. and It's probably some greedy creature, you know, who wants all their money. And said, so it's just a hoax. And what they said was true, but they came to a wrong conclusion. When the children of Israel went into the promised land, there were 12 tribes, and they were all designated some land as an inheritance. All of them except one group, the Levites. They were priests unto God. And so the other 11 tribes got land and got inheritance. And they were to tithe and take all that money to the Lord's house, and that was the Levites' inheritance. They got no land. They, they, were, they lived off, and, and the temple lived off, and the tabernacle off the tithes of the other 11 tribes. That's true, but that doesn't negate tithing for a Christian. 
because we've already seen long before this whole, these 12 tribes even existed, people were, were tithing. So, I have often longed for this. Maybe you're the person who's going to fulfill my dream. I've often longed for somebody who wants to argue with me against the tithe. And, and by the way, I really mean this. You'll know this before we're done. I don't really feel like arguing about it. I've always looked for somebody who didn't want to tithe because they thought it was too small amount to give. I've never ran into that. I've never ran into, well, bless God, don't hold me back to a tithe. I'll give 50% if I want to. Uh, no, it's usually like, I don't want to give that much. So let's figure out why we don't have to give. So I want to encourage us, let's be givers. I do think if under the law we can give a tithe, then under grace we can do better. Under, under the, the power of the Holy Spirit we can do better. And they did in the book of Acts as they were led by the Holy Spirit. So the tithe is holy, Leviticus 27 says, Leviticus 27.30, a tithe of everything is holy. It belongs to the Lord. Uh, it's holy to the Lord. Now here's why it's holy. This is why you're holy. There's a super confusion about what holiness is. Holiness, we think, is I never do anything wrong ever. So I'm holy. Well, that's not what holiness is. Holiness is being set apart for God. When I gave my life to Jesus, I set my life apart and said, it's no longer mine, it's yours. That's holiness. Now, make a guess. Am I against living right? No. Am I against behaving properly? No. But what makes it holy is we're set apart for his use. That's what holiness is. And so if I had 10 $10 bills, because I just got paid 100 bucks, and I took one of them, and I said, I'm giving this to the Lord. That becomes holy. But if you look at it, you go, this looks like all the other tens. Why is this one holy? Because I'm setting it apart for the Lord. That's what makes it holy. I'm not to take that 10 and go buy a Happy Meal with it, because that belongs to God. Now, interesting enough, God's so gracious, there's nine more lying there on the table. I can go buy a Happy Meal with it if I want to at that, but it's the whole system of sowing and reaping so beautiful because it slays the dragon of greed. The only way you can prosper in God's system is in faith and in belief. Let go of something that you have no promise of a return except God's word. That's all you have. You're letting go of it and you're believing that God will make up the difference. And he will. And it becomes holy when you release it to the Lord. So that's why you're holy. That's why I'm holy. That's why what we do, that's why our work is holy. You may say, my work's not holy. I punch a part at a factory. No, did you dedicate that to God? Yeah. Then you're, that, that work is holy unto the Lord. It, you're, you're doing what you do with all your heart is unto the Lord. So it becomes, it becomes holy. So it's holy and belongs to the Lord. And the Lord says that when we take what's his, uh, you can read this all throughout scripture, uh, he calls that stealing. Now, if I decide I want to give generously today, and I go to your purse and rummage through it and find a bunch of money, that's stealing. Okay? I don't give your money, I give mine. I, I give what I have, not what you have. So if it's holy and belongs to the Lord, then you don't need to be buying a car with it. You don't need to be saving it up for a vacation. You don't need to be uh, eating out on it. That's all. It belongs to the Lord. But our God is so gracious, we have 90% left over to do with what we want. 
But that's why giving slays the dragon of materialism and greed, because what ends up happening is there's something inside our human nature. Our human nature. That's why we that's why, man, it's just been on my heart. It's been on my heart for years. But what we're involved in in Jesus is spiritual. It's spiritual. I want you to hear that. It's spiritual. It's not carnal. It's not worldly. Human nature has to grab and get. Human nature has, believes there's only so much to the pie, and i got to get my pie. Abraham didn't believe that. That's why he looked at two kings and said, I don't want a thread from you guys, because my wealth will come from God. Because he knew that God was the source of it. So we had to be careful. But if we're not careful, what happens is if our money gets crunched, serious about this, and, and I believe I'm talking to givers in here, this is why I don't have to beg for money every week. So if, if you're just a generous giver, just keep being that and let God keep increasing you and then keep your eye open for other ways to give. And you'll notice this too. I, I'm never saying, if, if you gave $100,000 a year to the Billy Graham Association or, or Mercy Ships or whatever, you would never hear me come and say, well, we could use that money here. You, you should have gave that here. You should No, you should pray and give it wherever God says to give it. Now, I'm not talking about the tithe. I'm talking about offerings above and beyond all that. But what happens if we're not careful is if things get a little tight, we say, ooh, I, I, my money's tight. Let's see, what am I going to do? Am I going to cancel cable? Absolutely not. Uh, let's see, am I going to uh, drive a lesser car? Uh, absolutely not. Am I going to take a lesser vacation? No. What we end up saying, I know where I can get some money from what I would give to God. Be very, very careful of that. It's holy and belongs to the Lord. Now, but well, I'm giving it to my, my mother who's destitute. Well, that's beautiful, but give her something out of your 90. Don't, don't steal from God. I just really encourage it that. Don't steal from God. It's holy and belongs to the Lord. Now, Hebrews says this. In Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The farmer, now the farmer has a history, so he's saying, okay, I've, I've got the system down. I know seed time and harvest will come. But it still takes some faith even to sow seed naturally because every farmer's lost a harvest. Every farmer's had rain, drought, something wipe out a crop or wipe out a field. It still takes faith to sow. And here it says, without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him, to God, must believe that he exists. You can't even give your life to Jesus if you don't believe he exists. You have to believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So now we're going to look at the New Testament system for prospering. For those who go, oh, I, I need some New Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. I agree with that concept. We should truly find out what is what passed through through the old covenant into the new and what did not. So in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11, Paul's taking up an offering for poor people. It could be called an offering or almsgiving. This is not a tithe. This is offerings and almsgiving. And so he's going to take up an offering. He's a great offering taker, by the way. And we have to ask ourselves the question, is Paul making this stuff up to manipulate these people or is the scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit? I hope you're thinking it's the latter one. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So remember this, Paul says. He's already said, I'm going to take up an offering. We're taking it up for the poor. I'm not keeping any of it. All of us going to the poor people in Jerusalem. And I'm coming to take up an offering. And he says, by the way, uh, it'd be, be like me saying this. By the way, before you write out your check for this offering, 
I, I just want to remind you of this. If you give little, you get little. Sounds kind of manipulative. If you give little, you get little. But if you give generously, you'll get back generously. So he's a good offering taker. And this is the word of God. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. By the way, it's not about a tithe. I, I truly believe this. I'll just tell you, this I, I've always tithed. I, I just I believe that. Now, I don't care to argue with it with people. Uh, I've just always done that. We've been broke as could be, and we still tithe. God always made a way. My parents always tithe. I thought we were rich growing up. Found out we didn't have much money at all, except God made us rich. And so it's always been a part of my life, so it's not a tough one for me. Maybe you've never done that before. We'll get to that in a moment. It says, each one of you should give what you decide in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. What happens a lot is people take this, an offering to the poor, an offering, and say, and they apply it to the tithe. Why? But I don't want to give it. I don't feel like giving it. And after all, the Bible says, if you don't want to give it, you don't have to give it. Well, that's because he's talking about an offering here. He's not talking about the tithe. But then he has this beautiful promise. And this is really some New Testament generous giving. Is you're getting before God and you're saying, Lord, what would you want me to give? And let's just say you open up your billfold and you look in there. And I know you say, this is what I would like to see in there. You see a $100 bill, a $50 bill, a $20 bill, a $10 bill, a $5 bill, and a $1 bill. And you say, Lord, how much of this would you want me to give? Now, see, that's a dangerous thing to say because I can't imagine God saying, just give him the one. You know, that's a dangerous prayer because you know God's generous. And so you look in there and you go, oh, man, he's going to say give that 100 I know he is. And he doesn't. He says, give it all. What? Give it all? Oh, I'm sorry. You can keep the one for yourself. And you go, okay. But I'll tell you what, if you obey God, he'll reward. Here's what he says. Let's just see what the Bible says. So he wants you not to give under compulsion. He wants you to be cheerful. And God is able. Who's able? God is able. God is able to bless you how much? Abundantly. I'm like you. I like to figure things out. I like things to be logical. So I'm thinking to myself, how's this going to happen? How's he going to bless me? I don't know how I could do that. I, I don't have this. I don't have a connection. I don't have a rich uncle getting ready to die and make me his, you know, get his inheritance. I don't know how I'm going to, how's God going to do it? Just relax. He's super creative. He can do whatever. And the Bible says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. It gets good. So that in all things, how many things? And at all times, how many times? All times. Having all that you need, how much? All that you need. I, I, I love the Bible. That's just a great verse. And God is able to bless you abundantly. I think you could stop there and that'd be a great verse, but God's always so good. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Wow. Thank you. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, I want to back up a little bit. You're getting ready to sow in this offering to the poor in Jerusalem. And Paul wants to make something plain to you. The gift you're getting ready to seed and sow, where did it even come from? God. He who supplies seed to the sower, 
and bread for food. So it all came from him. You know, you're going out to the barn to grab some seed, and you realize this all came from God. It, it all came from him to start with. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and what? Increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched. I told you the old uh, NIV said it like this. You will be made rich in every way. Here's, here's the reason for prosperity. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be, what's the next word? Generous. How often? Every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So, I want to say this again. We're not closing with an offering. We're not, we're not starting a stewardship ca campaign. Uh, I, there's, there's no ulterior motive for this. I, I'm, the only ulterior motive I guess you'd come up with is, well, he wants the offerings to stay good. I've, I'm going to tell you, I do want the offerings to stay good. I really don't want to get up here and have to say, we're, you know, we're going under. I, I don't want to get up here and say, I don't know how we're going to fix that furnace over there. Yeah, over here, this is the one that's bad. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know. I, I'm glad I don't have to say, I don't know how we're going to do it. I know how we're going to do it. We're going to write a check for it. Yeah, so leave a blank check on the chair before you leave. And uh, no, accept your signature. No, because God blesses. This church is always tied. I don't know the exact. I always throw out a figure because I've done rough calculations. I always say it's been about a million dollars. Now, somebody may go back through the books for 40-some years and go, that's not true. It's only 798000 Okay, maybe it's $1.2 I don't know. But this little place right here has given upward somewhere around a million bucks since it began to world evangelism, local evangelism, and to take care of the poor and needy. And you know what God has always done? Blessed us. Always blessed us. Now, think logically. Think like an accountant for a second. You think this church could have done something with a million bucks over the last 40 years? Sure. But now I want you to think like a farmer. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. You sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. People come out here and uh, visit our place, and seriously, I hear this all the time. They go, wow, your place is beautiful. This is beautiful out here. This is beautiful. They, I, I guess they expected to find no broken down, dilapidated, fallen in place. Why is it beautiful? Because this organization, long before I was here, decided they wanted to be faithful givers. And God rewarded that. So I want you to just grow in this and develop your spirit of generosity. And I want you to know it's God that's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to do it. Because you're, you're going to say like me, well, how's he going to bless it? I mean, I, I get paid well. You guys take very good care of me. But it's not like I say, have a really big offering today because I need a thousand bucks to pull out there. That, that's not the way this works. So I don't know how he will bless me. Except this, he always does. He always does somehow. He always makes a way. You know, I've had people give me cars and give me motorcycles. and and um, But I also, wanted, I'm not ashamed to tell it, but we we rarely... I can't remember the last time we ever turned in a car. We just give it away. Just give it away. Well, it's a used car anyway. Well, it could have got me four or five, six thousand dollars, and just give it away. Give it away. 
Now you may say, I was getting ready to trade up a car. It's worth 40000 Okay, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying, when you do stuff like that, it doesn't have to be that. Just develop a spirit of generosity. Develop a spirit of generosity. Now, I'm really not picking on you if you've done this, so please, I mean this. But every now and then, I'll get on, on uh, Facebook, and they'll say, hey, I got this pair of shoes here, and I'm willing to sell it for $3. You know what I want to do? I just want to call them and say, just give them away. I'll give you $3 to give it away. Just give it, give it away. Start practicing sewing and, and giving. And again, maybe you've done that. I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying today you might think, hmm, next time I go to make five bucks on Facebook, I think I'll just give it away. Because God will do better than that five bucks will do. So here's our assignment. Begin today to manage your money so you can be a giver. There's a natural side to that. There are lots of things I could buy, and probably lots of things you could buy. And before we buy anything, we always ask ourselves this. If we purchase this, will it, will it hinder our ability to give? And if the answer is yes, we don't buy it. We don't buy it. You know, I, I am blessed, uh, but I, I think every now and then, well, you know, I'll upgrade this motorcycle, I'll upgrade that. And I pause to myself, and maybe someday I will, but I say, hold it. Right now, I like having no payment so I can give money away. I'd rather do that. Now, that's just me, but wherever you're at. Now, you may be here today. This message is not designed to be, beat you down. It's designed to lift you up. You may be here today saying, Tracy, I'm going in the hole $150 every week. So the concept of being able to give or do something, I don't know how that'll happen. So here's, here's what you can do. Begin today to pray about that. Just start where you're at. Don't get beat up by it. Just start where you're at and say, Lord, you know my situation. I don't even know how I'm going to buy food this week. And the pastor's up there telling us to be generous and give stuff away. But at least tell him this, I want to do that. I want to be able to be the one who helps people and doesn't always have to be helped. So help me. And then begin just to use some wisdom about your resources and your finances so that you can manage your money in a way so you can be a giver. And giving doesn't start out huge, it starts out small. You're giving maybe a dollar first. And it may graduate to five dollars. May graduate to a hundred. It may graduate to something. Wouldn't it be fun? I mean, seriously, wouldn't it be fun to give away something one day where you're writing a check and you're going, "Oh my goodness, I, I would have never dreamed I could have done that before." And it doesn't have to be to the church. I'm not asking for an offering here. I'm saying it might be to help somebody out who's poor or needy or whatever. And that would be fun. One thing as we get ready to pray. When it comes to giving to the poor, that's the Bible verse that says your right hand should not know what your left hand is doing. In other words, that's the only place where it says, I mean, we should always check our hearts to make sure we're not bragging on ourselves, but we most certainly don't want to stand up and say, I just want to thank the Lord. I want to give a testimony, you know. We've been talking about giving. Well, John and, and Sally Doe were about to go belly up and lose their car, but huh, I, I paid their car payment and caught it up. Well, why, why do you need to tell people that? You just humiliated them. That, that's not cool. So when it comes to giving to the poor, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. That becomes secret giving. So let's pray together.